But we are talking this morning about God's Word and that it is good for us. How many know that God's Word is good for us? Amen. We certainly believe that. So I want, I want to read these scriptures to start us out, and you can follow along. Um, we're going to start with 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. It says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And then Luke chapter 11, beginning at verse 28, Jesus is speaking here. It says, But he said, Yea, rather, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. And when the people were gathered thick together, he began to say, This is an evil generation. They seek a sign, and there shall no sign be given it, but the sign of Jonas the prophet. For as Jonas was a sign unto the Ninevites, so shall also the Son of Man be to this generation. The Queen of the South shall rise in the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them, for she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonas, and behold, a greater than Jonas is here. Amen. So again, we're talking about how that God's word is, is good for us, and God's word is definitely good for directing our lives and changing the course of our lives and helping us whenever we get off track. Years ago, I used to have this race car track when I was real little. And it had a groove that went all the way around the track, and we would take the little cars. The little cars had a little bitty short pin, and, it, and that pin had to sit down in the track. And, it, of course, it touched the metal conductors there on it, and you pulled the trigger on the remote thing, and it buzzed around the track. But it, if it ever got off track, the car would no longer go anymore. And so if, it, if you get going too fast around a corner, it would go spinning off in the carpet. So you'd have to pick up the car and set it right back down in that pin, that fit, put that pin down in that track so that it would go. Sometimes we get off track, and we need to get back in, back where we need to be, and God's Word is good for that. Praise the Lord. I was reading the other day about uh, whenever NASA sent out this rover to Mars, and it was 352 million miles from Earth to where this thing was going in Mars. And so these scientists and these um, uh, engineers, they designed it and set it up, and they set it off, and as it, it, take, it took some like eight months for this thing to get out to Mars. But they noticed as it started getting closer to Mars, it was just slightly off track. And it was, I think, I think it was 13 miles off track. And so these scientists and engineers, they had to go to work there at NASA to correct that. And, and they said they corrected it one centimeter per second so that, that it would correct and to get that rover right, that Mars rover right, right where it is. And sometimes we, sometimes we read the Bible and sometimes we hear the word of the Lord and, and the Lord prompts our heart. We realize we need to make a minor correction. We need to add something to our life or take something out of our life. Or, and, and we hear that and the Lord prompts us and, and pricks our heart and he makes that minor correction. And then those minor corrections and you know, adjustments through life, it, it makes a big difference five years down the line or ten years down the line, just minor corrections like that. But God's word is perfect for doing that for us. 
But I hope this morning, I hope you have a, an appreciation for the Scripture. I really do. I hope you have an appreciation for this book we call the Bible, uh, more than just a, you know, just a, a I don't know what to, how, to, how to say it, just more than just a, uh, a burst of inspiration about the Bible. But I hope you have a genuine appreciation for the Word of the Lord, because this book is God speaking to us. It's the greatest treasure outside of God himself. This book is the greatest treasure that we have. Amen. And Paul wrote to Timothy in this verse, he said, this book is profitable. It's profitable. I like that. And I'm going to tell you this morning that the word of God, it ought to shape our lives. This book ought to shape our lives. Start to finish, beginning to end. This book ought to be the thing that we mold our lives around. Praise the Lord, it, it, it should govern our lives and it, it should frame the perspective from which we live. But unfortunately, too many people see this book as insufficient for their life in the 21st century. Too many people see this book as something that is not enough for them to cope with everything that they deal with in this modern society. And... Um, it's maybe, maybe they feel like it's not sophisticated enough or maybe it's not uh, modern enough to equip them to, and so they just kind of dismiss it or maybe it has a part in their life, but it doesn't actually, uh, it doesn't actually shape their life. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a step out here and I'm going to go as far as to say that, that the Bible is appropriate for every matter in our life. Now that's a big step. But it, it, it applies to every area of our life. All right, y'all don't go to sleep on me. I know it's 10-10. It's <laughs> but this book, I'm not being disrespectful, but it shapes, it ought to shape our life. Praise the Lord. It is good for us. But, but too many people, you know, they, they have bought into the belief that something more, I need something more than just the Bible. People have bought into that, that idea that, you know, I love books, and I collect books, and I've, every time we get an opportunity, we'll go to a Goodwill store, and I'll look for more books, and, and many of you have given me books, and I saw my mom yesterday, my mom came into my office yesterday, she goes, Mom, you've got a lot of books, I like books, but put all those aside, this is sufficient, praise the Lord, so it's important that we read it, and memorize it, and study it, and meditate on it. Because it's relevant, it's, it, it applies. It applies. It applies. It applies to every person here, every one of us, no exceptions. He said, well, "No, now, Pastor, you don't understand my situation." It applies to you. It apply. It applies to Ron and Helen Henderson, and it applies to Louis, Louis Ely over here. Every everything in between, front to back, every one of us. This book is relevant. Wherever you're at in life, young, old. Rich, poor, anywhere in between. It applies. And so my point here is that there is great value that's added to our life when we regularly interact with this book. It adds value to our life. That's why Jesus said that in that verse 28. Blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. It's good for salvation. It's, it's even good for things like church growth and life issues and finances money priorities. 
It talks about debt. It talks about marriage and family. That's what that, this book will do for us. Jesus said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. I like James 1.25. James said this, Whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. See it? This man shall be blessed in his deed. Blessed. I want to be blessed. The Word of God is what was needed to change lives. As newborn babes, Peter wrote, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word. Every time I read that verse, I just picture of a, a little infant just with his mouth open. It is. A newborn babe. God, give me a desire. Give me an appetite. Give me an appetite for this book. Make me hungry, Lord, for this book. And I would say to us today that we need a high view of Scripture. Some of you might be thinking, well, you're a preacher, you're a pastor, you're supposed to say stuff like that. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, we need a high view of Scripture, not a low view. You know, theologians and, and people who study Scripture all the time and critics They talk about uh, their view of Scripture. And the people that see this as the infallible, inerrant Word of God, they have a high view of Scripture. But people who who doubt it and they're skeptical about it, they they say they have a low view of Scripture. I'm telling our church, we need a high view of Scripture. Praise the Lord. The people that have a low view of Scripture, many people who have a low view of Scripture, they, they start out with it, not with an open mind. They start out, filled with doubt and skepticism before they ever get into the book. And a lot of times their scholarship, they're not even honest in their scholarship and in their understanding. But I'm going to tell you, this book is infallible. It is, that means there's not, there's not it's, it's, it's truth. It's inerrant, infallible word of God. Praise the Lord. And I'm going to tell you that there's a danger whenever you start saying, well, this is right, but that's not right. This is, this is true, but that's error. That's dangerous ground to start on. Because when you start down that road, it's like, okay, what am I going to believe and what are we not going to believe? And I can throw out anything that I don't agree with or anything I don't want to believe. I can just toss it out. It's either infallible or we just get rid of it. It's either inerrant or we just lay it aside. Praise God. Okay, so here's what I want you to, I want you to turn with me to Psalms 19. And beginning at verse number 7. So I hope you have a Bible or have it on your phone or a tablet somewhere close by that you can look at this with me. Because this this will be kind of important to be able to see this little section of verses together. Psalms 19. And I'm going to begin at verse number 7. Now Psalms 19 is a wonderful passage. It's a wonderful psalm in the Bible. Because David starts out at the first six verses of Psalm 19... And he gives revelation. He, get, he gives a revelation. This is why you need to believe there's a God. Here's why God exists. He starts out, the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmness showeth his handiwork. He said, here's a revelation of why we know there's a God. Just look at the creation. But then you get to verse number 7 in this psalm. And he, he changes directions. And he starts talking about personal revelation, about the word of God, how it deals with us on a very personal level. So here's what I want you to see here. Verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. 
The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Now just keep your Bibles open if you would, please. Because in verses 7, 8, and 9, David gives us, there's three verses there, and there are six lines that contain, they are an, an They are six lines that describe the Word of God. So you have six descriptions or six titles of the Word of God. You have the law of the Lord, the testimony of the Lord, the statutes of the Lord, the commandment of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, and the judgments of the Lord. So there are six titles there of the Word of God. And after each title... David gives us a characteristic of the word of the Lord. So he says, for example, verse number seven, the law of the Lord, it's perfect. It's a characteristic of God's law. And then he, after each characteristic of that title, he gives a benefit to the word of the Lord. So the law of the Lord is the title. It's perfect is the characteristic. And the benefit is that it, it converts the soul. So there are six of those listed there in these verses. So you have the first one, which is the law of the Lord, which is divine teaching. It's, it's God's teaching for every area of our life. He said this law is perfect, which means it's whole. How many of you know the Bible is complete? Every aspect of our life is sufficient. It's all-sided, as one one person said, all-sided so as to cover completely all aspects of life. It's comprehensive, but this divine teaching is perfect because it converts the soul, or it revives, it transforms, it restores, it refreshes. And I'm going to tell us today that the Bible is able to transform our life. And I don't say that with any hesitation. I say it with complete conviction. The Bible is able to transform our life, our soul, our inner person there. And then look at verse 7 again. He goes on, the testimony of the Lord is sure. If I get excited, you just look over me. I mean, look past me. But I get excited talking about this stuff. He said, the testimony of the Lord is sure. The testimony is not anything different than the law of the Lord. It's God's written word. But he said this testimony is sure as opposed to being unsure, as opposed to being insecure or wavering or shifting and unreliable. You talk about 2020 and people are always talking about the year of the 2020 and how, how, you know, what a year it's been. And it's been, it has been, there's been a lot of questions. But if you want something that's settled and secure in a year like 2020, Just get back to the book. It's sure. It's a stable foundation. And and get this. He said, it makes wise 
verse 7, the end of verse 7, making wise the simple. The, the word simple there comes from the root word that means an open door. A simple person. The idea behind it is a simple person will let anybody in their house. They're not discretion. They, they don't use the right discretion. They're just open to let anybody come in. Um, but it makes wise the simple. So it gives us direction and wisdom for life so we know when to close the door. We know when to open the door, who to let in, who not to let in. So it makes wise the simple. And then verse 8, the statutes of the Lord. They are right, rejoicing the heart. These principles, these guidelines, they are right. They show us the right path. This is why we have to be careful who we listen to, what we read. Is it coming from the principles of the Scripture? The right spiritual path. They guide us into the way of true understanding, not wandering around in some spiritual fog. And he said they rejoice the heart. Rejoicing the heart. There's something joyful about the Word of God. Uh, Brother Good, did I put Jeremiah 15, 16 in there? I don't know. If, did I put it in the notes? There it is. Okay. Look, look at this verse. Thy words were found, and I did eat them, and thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Thy word, your word, Lord, it was joy and rejoicing in my heart. Praise the Lord. The word is exciting. It can be exciting. <laughs> and then he said this next one, verse number 8 again, the second line of verse number 8, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The commandment of the Lord is pure. It's, it's clear. It's, it's lucid. When, when things are obscure, when things are not clear, the Bible generally is clear. It's enlightening the eyes. In dark times, it's like a light shining where we need to go. Proverbs 6.23 says, The commandment is a lamp and the law is light. Preacher, I don't know what I need to do. Look in the Scripture. I'm not sure the direction I need to go right. Look in the Scripture. It's a lamp into our feet. Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. It can help us. I, I believe that. I believe that. It can help us. Praise the Lord. We don't have to be wandering in this spiritual fog. God's word can help us. And then lastly, verse number 9, the first line of verse number 9, the fear of the Lord is clean. The fear of the Lord is another synonym for the Word of God. And it is clean, it's pure. God's Word is not filthy. God's Word is not defiled. It's not imperfect. It's not tainted with corruption. The Word of God is clean. And it is enduring forever. This book has a pretty good track record. I mean... If you think back to the time of Moses, Moses was, 15, I think, if I remember right, Moses was 1500 B.C. And we're 2020 A.D., that's 3,500 years. This book's got a pretty good record. The grass withereth, Isaiah 48, grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Praise the Lord. And then the last one there in verse number 9, he said that the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. The judgments of the Lord are true. The rules, this authoritative word, 
it's right, true and righteous all together. Conveys the idea of comprehensiveness. Scripture is complete. It's sufficient. It's without error. I don't have to add to this book. I don't have to take away from this book. It contains all the truth necessary for a genuine spiritual life. And he said in verse 11 that we read, in keeping of them there is great reward. The Word of God, it is the source. Now some of you aren't going to believe me, but the Word of God, it is the source of life's greatest pleasures. I'm going to tell you, life's greatest pleasure is not going to the beach. And I like the beach just fine. But it's not going to some mountains or it's not going to some cabin. And that's, that's, that's wonderful too. Go sit in a cabin and just vegging out for a couple of days. Those are wonderful things. <laughs> but life's greatest pleasure is right here. I believe that. Because this book enriches lives. It fulfills lives. It's meaningful. People get wrapped up in sin and the things of this world, and sin is for a season, and the pleasures of the world are just for a little while. But you want something lasting. Start, start investing some time in, in this book. Why, why, why do you think the enemy works so hard to keep you out of this book? Ah, you're too busy to read the Bible today. Your life's too complicated. Your problem, is, your problem is just way over what this... That's the enemy lying to you, telling you that, that this book doesn't have the answers or you don't have the time or your life's too complicated for this. But he works hard, doesn't he? I'll, I'll just confess, as because i got the microphone right now, I'll just confess that if I don't read this thing first thing in the morning, it just kind of gets pushed... Till the next morning. That old devil, he's, he's sly. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Blessed is that man. Amen. We need to be in this book today. I'm not casting judgment. I'm not throwing stones. I'm just telling you, you need to be in this book. You want your life to be different? Get in the book. You want your life to be more fulfilled? Get in the book. It it will make a difference, won't it, Sister Anson? Praise God. George Barna, who, who has written or has done studies for years and surveys, Last year, he did a State of the Bible report. This is what he found when he examined the behaviors and the beliefs of American adults toward the Word of God. He said 5% of the population say they are Bible-centered. 5% are Bible-centered. That is, they interact with the Bible frequently, and it's transforming their relationships and shaping their choices. Then he said 19% state that they are Bible-engaged. They say the Bible is transforming their relationship with God and with others. Another 19% say they are Bible-friendly. They interact with the Bible on a consistent basis, and it may be a source of spiritual insight and wisdom to them. Then he said 9% are Bible-neutral. 
They say they interact with the Bible sporadically and it has little spiritual influence in their lives, although the, that influence may be growing. And then here's the kicker, the last one. 48% of Americans, and I don't know how accurate or how big his sample was, but 48% of Americans, he said, are Bible disengaged. They interact infrequently with the Scripture. It has minimal, if any, impact in their lives. And what I say to that is they are missing opportunities to be blessed. They're missing opportunities for God to direct them and bless them through his word. Amen. What a book, though. What a book. There is no book like it. Praise the Lord. And, and you know, the more you read it, the more you get into it, the more you realize that is there. and The more nuggets that are there and you see, start seeing things that you've never seen before, and God opens up understanding. What's really cool is when you read something and you've never seen it before, and you say, oh, that makes sense. That, oh, that's awesome. You know, Praise the Lord. It's, just, it's, a, it's a special book, and I'm not trying to exaggerate. I'm not trying to use hyperbole or anything, but this is the greatest book that you will ever interact with. And I've read some good books, and I've Read, you know, read some good authors, but this is the, this is the book that truly impacts us. Amen. I, I want, before my time gets away, I want to ask anybody that would volunteer, how do, you, how do you approach your time with Scripture? How do you read your Bible? I mean, do you read it in the morning, the evenings, lunchtime? Um, do you go sit in your car on your lunch break and, and read the Scripture? Um, there's no wrong or right here. I'm not, I'm not looking for that. But I'm just, maybe something that you say might help me or somebody else here. Um, I'll just tell you briefly how I do it. I just, I get up in the morning, I go to my, my room, what used to be Christian's room in our house, and I take my Bible, and I take my, usually take my iPad or my phone, and actually I use this Bible um, for my daily reading. It's just a daily walk Bible, and uh, and I go to wherever I'm at, and I turn it on audio, and I listen as it follows along, and then I have another book that I keep, and if something stands out, I'll write it down. That's, that's how I do it. So maybe somebody has a different way, or if you want to, I know Jerry's told me about his, and I know my wife is, I know how she does it. You want to share? You want a microphone? <laughs> You'll have to listen real loud. awesome awesome it'll it'll literally change your life i i came across this this interesting quote in my uh or this this statement i there's no way for me to validate whether or not everything is true but um it sounds like it probably would work so here i want to share this with you um do you realize that in your lifetime you will probably eat 150 head of cattle maybe a little more that you'll eat at least 3,000 chickens. Conservatively, now this doesn't apply to me, 225 lambs, 26 sheep. You'll eat 310 pigs in bacon and ham alone. 26 acres of grain you will consume alone, and you will eat 50 acres of fruits and vegetables. But Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Isn't that something? And uh, I brought some, some Bibles. 
sometimes, you know, people wonder, oh, you know, if you go buy a Bible, it can be overwhelming. It can be like, you know, what do I buy? And, and, I, and I looked up some material about, you know, uh, what, what Bibles to buy and everything. And, of course, there are all kinds of Bibles. And I'll just kind of wrap up here today with this. There are, I mean, when you start looking at Bibles, you have, um, and I don't mean this in a bad way, you have, you have inexpensive or cheap Bibles. I mean, these that have the paperback covers or even the hardback covers, those are generally inexpensive Bibles. Um, you have, um, I don't remember the term. This, this, is, this one looks rough. This was my Bible school Bible that my grandma gave me, and I took it to school, and it's a Schofield Bible, and I got to love Schofield study Bibles. And so this is what I've used for years, and now I use a different Schofield Bible. Um, but then there are like these... This is the ESV Bible. It's a, it's not real leather. What do they call that? True tone or um, fake leather pleather. <laughs> but it's got a soft feel to it. And, you know, there's study Bibles. There's award Bibles. And, by the way, we, got, we bought some more award Bibles the other day or gift Bibles. If you know somebody that doesn't have a Bible and needs a Bible, let me know. We have some Bibles here at the church that we can give to people. Um, there are... Outreach Bibles, there's all kinds of Bibles, but you kind of have to ask yourself, what am I going to use this Bible for? I don't use a Bible like this to read through because it's too heavy. I've got an apostolic study Bible, and I don't like to read from it because it's too big and heavy, but, uh, but I enjoy studying from it, and there's a place for that. Um, there's large print Bibles, which we might get to eventually. Um, if you're studying, use a study Bible. Uh, this is kind of an interesting version. <laughs> I wouldn't study from the message. It's like, and I'm just being silly here, but you read the message and it's like, hey, dude, let's go see Jesus. You know, it has that kind of language instead of the these and thous. Um, but I have read the New Testament message, and it's okay. Um, some people are staunch, King James only. That's the only version, and I'm not that way. Um, we use the King James here in our services, and, um, and that's generally what we've used all my life. Um, but if you read the King James and it's not helping you, get something that's going to help you. The important thing is to be reading the Bible, um, uh, studying the Bible. You can, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's what every one of us need, and it's going to make a difference in our life. Praise the Lord. And here's, I'll make a promise to you. This is, this is, then I'm done, but I will make a promise to you that if every one of us will spend a few minutes each day in the scripture, number one, it will help us through that day. I forgot who said it. Maybe you said it. Yeah. Carla said it. It will help us through that day. If we will spend a few minutes in the scripture, it will help us through the day. But number two, it will begin to build a solid foundation in our life. And then when storms hit and when problems come, we're already built upon a, a strong foundation. Praise the Lord, and it doesn't matter what happens and what comes our way. We've, we've built our life upon something that's going to guide us and direct us through whatever season, whatever we go through in life. Amen. So get in the word of the Lord. Stay in the word of the Lord. Blessed is the man that he hears the word and he keeps it. Amen. It will make a difference. It will make a difference in your life. Praise the Lord.